Yeah, good morning, church. My name is Bill Marsh, and I will be sharing the uh, scripture reading this morning. We're going to uh, read out of Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 5. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Thank you, Bill. Let's pray. Father, how can we thank you enough for taking our burden and laying it on your son? You could have poured out your wrath. You could have poured out your anger on us. We're the deserving ones. But yet you who were offended, you were the one that came. Innocent, without sin, who but God could take the place for all of mankind? And who but God, in the face of such rejection and piercing, could say, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, that the judgment was poured out upon the Son so that we might be filled with the undeserving grace of God. Not by things that we do, oh, and certainly not by our self-righteousness because they're there is none, but because of your love, you rescued us, and you fill us with your Spirit. Oh, that we would walk by the power of the Spirit of God. Lord, take our flesh and purge that out of us and fill us, fill us today in a way that maybe we haven't been filled for a while. The truth is you're there, you're present, you come, you don't leave, you're with us always, but yet we get in the way, and so Lord, forgive us, all of us. Get us out of the way, Lord, and may the light of your love shine beautifully, brilliantly, and magnificently through our lives and through your study today. As you speak to us, give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Sorry, I kind of forgot you guys were there. I really love being captivated by Christ. 
He's such a merciful God. Hey, what a blessing. I don't know if you know this or not, but do you know Greg Bostock, the big guy over here that, well, he's not there now, but that he was, how many of you know Greg Bostock, you know, and his lovely wife, Glenda, she was there, and Glenda has a twin sister, he was kind of like, am I seeing double here, um, Brenda, and so what a treat for us to have them this morning um, leading worship, and so Lori, I see you over there shaking your head, no, no, don't be sorry, I'm saying yes and amen to that. Um, hey, but before we get into our study, this Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, the work of the Holy Spirit of God, um, I believe that we need to do something. And, and what it is, it's related to what's coming up on Friday, because Friday is Veterans Day. November 11th is set aside specifically by the legislature, signed by the President of the United States to celebrate, to honor American veterans for their patriotism, to their love of their country, and their willingness to serve and to sacrifice for the common good. That's me. And so this morning, if you would allow me, if there are any of those that are on active duty in the armed forces or reserve, would you please stand? Are there any of you that are here today? Yeah, Lori, I want to clap too. Okay, so that's okay. They're serving, right? That makes sense. But if you have served and you are a veteran, would you please stand? Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Man, I just want to run around the room and hug every single one of them and tell them I love them. And thank you for the sacrifices that you made for us. And so, if you are near them, I would encourage you to reach out, touch them in a nice way um, as we pray for them. But before we do that, can I, can I just encourage you, if you would please, put a reminder on your phone to, say, to set your alarm to call, to text, whatever, to affirm the blessing of a veteran that you know, and give God praise for them. So let's pray. The cost of freedom, Lord, is not free. And there are many sacrifices. And so we give you thanks for that. But today we want to recognize and honor our veterans right here. The ones you have put in our midst they are mighty men and women of valor who have taken an oath, and they're still committed to that oath, Lord. I know that they are. And they're faithful. And they're courageous. And so, Lord, you know the challenges that they face, and so we pray for your favor for them, that you would lift them, that you would remind them, well done, good and faithful servant that you have served well. And so may it be our opportunity to serve them by giving thanks to you and thanking them. All for your glory, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, it's not good for me to be start off as an emotional wreck. <laughs> 
we're supposed to teach Galatians chapter 6. You know, we're supposed to get through this study. So, you know, isn't it remarkable the timing that God has in our lives? Because for the past month, we have been studying the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I have been seeing a whole lot of very visible things happening by the work of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that you've been seeing that too. And I hope that you've been courageous enough to be able to say to the Holy Spirit of God, show me, show me the things that you do because I can't see them all, but help me to slow down. And help me to see you and the work that you do, not just in others, but the work that needs to be done and that you're doing in me. So isn't it interesting that as we studied through the book of Galatians and we come to a place of being filled with the fruit of the Spirit which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Oh, self-control. And against such things there is no law, right? Oh, that we would walk by the Spirit of God. And so Paul, in chapter 6, starts to give us some really good examples for us to understand what that means. So first what I want to do, and, and maybe I shouldn't even do this. How, ma how many of you, I'm just going to do this, um, because how many of you really want to recap? How, do you want, how many of you want to go from where we were, what the problem is, what the reproof was from Paul? Um, what, what else I got here? The speaking the truth in love, the work of redemption, the confidence, the walk in freedom to get to our passage. How many of you want to go through that? <laughs> that is hilarious. None of you are going, oh man, I want out of here early. All right. Well, then this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give you the passages. I'm going to read the first one, though, because you've got to understand the basis of all these other passages, right? The reproof comes in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. It's Paul writing to his people. Here he is. This is what he's doing. He's coming alongside the church at the Galatians, if you will. They're new believers. They don't get it all. They don't have all the facts, and they're making a few mistakes. And one of those mistakes is they're listening to Judaizers. They're listening to people that are saying, oh, that Jesus is nice, but that's not enough. You got to have what we got, because we got it all. And they're saying, you got to cut the flesh away. Well, that's true, but it, it's symbolic, is what Paul teaches us. That there's no, there's no benefit to cutting the flesh away. No, it, the point is, is it's the flesh. It's the self. It's this thing of sin that needs to be cut away. It's the picture of something that's supposed to happen in the heart. Right? And so this is what Paul does. He helps them to bring them back around. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. You see, to follow that kind of instruction is a different gospel. It's not the gospel of grace. It's not the gospel of this book called the Bible. It's not the gospel of the God who created the heavens and the earth. And, and, and how do we know that he exists? Is we know that he exists because the earth, he said he, he's going to create it to be inhabited. That's us. We are inhabiting the earth, right? He reveals himself to all men and women through his creation. It's kind of like that whole adage of the fact that if we have a painting, it didn't just a bunch of colors get, hey, we should get together and form a shape. No, it was painted by a painter. It's simple. 
creation is made by a creator. But the uniqueness of this creator is, is he wanted a personal relationship with us. Because you matter to him. He wants to show you what love really looks like. That's who he is. And so Paul writes because he loves these people. He doesn't just let them go down their merry road and to a road of destruction and pain and sorrow and suffering. No, he's stepping in, you know, and that's the hard part about correcting someone is how do I step in? And that's what we're going to study later today. But I, here's what he's doing. He's stepping in. He says, which is not just another account, but there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Whoa, am I seeing them properly? As we have said before, even now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel that is contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. Man, do I, do I recognize the importance of keeping that type of false doctrine away from my life? So, of course, he speaks the truth and love to the Galatians. He, he reminds them of the work of redemption, that there is no justification by the flesh. It's only by faith and faith in Christ alone. Right. That's the confidence that we have. And then, of course, we are called to a walk of freedom in Galatians chapter five, verse beginning verses 13 through 15. I do want to read this to you. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is filled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Oh, Paul understands that there's a battle, a battle that's going on, and that battle is between the flesh and the Spirit in our lives. Am I trusting in the work of God in my life, or am I trusting in my own reasoning and my own desires and flesh, right, satisfying me? Well, there's a beautiful picture that God gives to us as we look at that passage in 6, verse 1, very simply. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you, are, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So that's where we start in Galatians 6.1, the work of the Holy Spirit being evident in our lives. And so is there a picture of that in God's Word? Well, there is. And it's an amazing picture. And most of us are very familiar with this picture. It's called the prodigal son. Y'all remember the story of the prodigal son? Where the one son, he says, hey, dad. You know what? I want to live. I want to eat, drink, and be merry. I want to be out of here. Can I, I want my... I want my inheritance now. Oh, the father doesn't object. He, says, he doesn't say, well, you really don't want this, but I'll give it to you anyway. He doesn't even, there's no opposition. The father just gives him his inheritance, right? Okay, if this is what you want, I can tell that this, I'm not going to convince you otherwise. You'll be miserable. No, but you have to understand the misery is going to come, but I'm I'm not going to remind you of that. What I am going to do, though, is I'm going to pray for you, my son. 
Wow, so that's the first thing I think that we realize about the importance of how we go to correct someone that we know is headed in the wrong direction. One, according to Galatians chapter 6, that it, come on Bible, oh, it's like it's the Bible's fault. There we go. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, oh, if they're caught in this place that they're failing, they're falling, you who are spiritual should restore one in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So what does the father do? The father sends him on his way, gives him his inheritance, and he sends him on his way. And of course, we understand what happens with the son because the son involves him, just dives right into um, living that is going to be consuming. But he finds out quickly that this reckless living is not to his benefit. And then all of a sudden, all his friends are gone when all his money is gone. And so he has to eat, right? So he hires himself out to a local farmer, and he's feeding the pigs. And of course, what does he desire? He desires the food of the pigs. Now we could dive in further into this whole example, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to focus in on how do I correct, because we want to focus in on what the father does today, not what the prodigal son is doing, but what the father is doing today. And so he comes to an end of himself. Why does he come to an end of himself? I truly do believe it's because of the persistent prayer of the father. And why do I think that the, the father is persistent in his prayers? It's because of how he reacts. When his son comes to his senses, when he comes to an end of himself, and he goes, man, I just got to go. I'd rather be, it would be better for me to be a servant in my father's house than it is for me to continue to be here to want to desire this filthy pig food. Oh, I'm sick of the world. And I want to be as close to my father as I can get, even if I have to be a servant. Oh, I will gladly take the role of a servant. And so that's his mantra. That's his mindset. That's his thinking, right? But the father says this in verse 20 of Luke 15. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. I truly do believe that the Father's been looking down that road for a long time. Every day since the Son walked back out that road to begin with. And the Father was faithful to pray. So too is it important for us when we see someone who is in the wrong that we have to be faithful to pray because prayer changes things. Because it's the prayer that is of the God who created them, that knows the end from the beginning, that knows every hair on their head, that knows the way to their heart, because I don't know that. I've shared this before. My sister, who shared the truth with me, prayed fervently for me for five years. It only took five years. Until I came to my senses. Until I began to listen. I wish I had my sister here with me and that we could just go into a time of prayer because you would love to listen to her prayers. She's not a wimpy prayer. She's a warrior. She gets after it. She reminds God of what he says in his word, his promises. Oh, 
Lord, that I hold on to those promises, the things that you have said you will do, because you will not send your word out void. No, it will accomplish what you desire. So, Lord, I know that it's your desire that all men come unto salvation, and you're patient toward them, but we must come. We must come to that place of surrender to an end of ourselves. Amen? So, as what does the Father's response is? He goes, hey, we need to sit down and talk. I need to know where you've been and what you've been doing. we got to walk through this. We're going to work things out for you. <laughs> no. He doesn't look at one single issue of sin in the son's life. We're careful when someone is falling, when they're caught up in a transgression. We're careful with the way that we respond to them. Our focus must not be on the transgression. Our focus must be on the love of God, the provision of God. Watch. And the father said to the servants, he hears the son's confession. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> he already knows his son's confessed. He's already repented. He's coming home, right? Doesn't have to walk him back through that. But the father said to the servants, be quickly or bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. That's what happens in heaven when one sinner comes to surrender to Jesus Christ, is, is that there is celebration going on in heaven. And it's a joyous celebration. Do you recognize the elements what the father gave to the son. He gave a robe of righteousness. See, righteousness doesn't come from our own. We've talked about that before. Isaiah tells us that in King James language that our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. That's... That's worse than what you know. Some of us know what that means. But God, in protecting his people in the wilderness, he would instruct the ladies to take their blood-stained menstrual rags and toss them outside the camp and burn them. And that's how Isaiah refers to man's righteousness. What righteousness do we have? None. No, our righteousness comes from the Father, and it's a robe of righteousness. It covers us. But might I remind you, as I've said before, I want to remind you again, take a look at the picture of what God did. It might be something that's ugly, and we don't really want to talk about it, but it's the picture of our Savior who was blood-stained. And he was cast outside the city crucified on a cross and judged. He was burnt. But there's good news because our God is a God who makes beauty out of ashes. And that's what He does for us. That's what He does for us. We go down a little further and we run into the other son. How is he going to deal with his older son? 
His older son, when he finds out about what's going on, it says in verse 28, but he was angry and refused to go in. <laughs> I love my grandkids when they're playing and if one doesn't quite like what the other one's doing and it's like, you know, come on, we're going to do this first and then we'll do your thing later, you know, and if, if one starts to pout, <laughs> the response is, if you pout, you're out. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah, out of the mouth of babes. But here, that's what he's doing. He's pouting. He's all about himself, right? And the father comes and entreats him. The father doesn't come to correct him. The father comes to win his son. And the son answers, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you gave me, you, oh, excuse me, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who was devoured, who devoured your property with prostitutes, and you killed the fatted calf for him, Oh, whew. can you smell that aroma? You know, in youth, this last Wednesday, we, we had a night called the Aroma of Christ. And what we did was we took um, 14 cups and we put different items in those cups. And then we covered them with aluminum foil, put a rubber band around them so you couldn't take the aluminum foil off. And then we poked holes in them. And then we set them around the room. And what the, the youth were supposed to do is, is they had a sheet. And they were numbered 1 through 14. And they were supposed to smell the cup and try to determine what the aroma was. <laughs> Some of them were nice. Does anybody know what rapid fire is? Is there anybody in here that knows what rapid fire is? You're not even going to confess that, are you? Are you kidding me? There is no one else in here other than my wife that knows what rapid fire is. You, you get rapid fire at the chiropractor's office. It's in a bottle and it sprays and, and it's like deep heat. Y'all know what deep heat is? Yeah, well, it's rapid fire and it is aromatic. My, my wife loves it when I come to bed with rapid fire on. <laughs> she, she goes, oh, I'm going to go sleep on the couch. By that time, period, I'm asleep, so it doesn't bother me a bit, you know. No. But it has a distinct aroma. And then, of course, um, extractions from the lower colon have an aroma too and so we found some of that i'm not going to tell you where it wasn't mine or any family member okay just so you know and that was in cup eight and you should have seen them when they would grab cup eight Woo! what an aroma what an aroma this older son had full of condemnation and mockery and ridicule and criticism that's not the type of aroma that God would have us to have. No, he would have us to have the aroma of Christ. So I asked the students, I said, what's the aroma of Christ? 
And they had some pretty good answers. You know, the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, sure that smells pretty good. And they had a few more. You know, the promises of God. Yeah, that was another one. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful aroma. You know, when you're forgiven much, you, you treasure what you've been forgiven. And so, I do not know why God, why I'm just made the way that I am, but I treasure my salvation. Because the aroma that I smell is the aroma of my Savior on a cross. Pain for my sin. Oh, then he might come to restore me in a spirit of gentleness. That's what God wants to do for all of us. I don't know where you've been or what's happening in your life. But may my hope be that you would be more like the prodigal son at an end of yourself crying out to the love of the Father and to know that He is going to love you. He's going to drape you in a robe of righteousness. He's going to put a ring on your finger because the ring is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God who seals this for the day of redemption. And He's going to put new sandals on your feet. And so you're going to have a new life. And the new life that we have when Christ gives us new life is that we get the opportunity to share the gospel because the gospel is good news. It's Jesus that's come and He's died for us to save us from our sin. That's the aroma. I know that it says that we can't even think or imagine, but I try sometimes, especially when I am a failure and I blow it and I'm sharp with my wife or my kids or I'm frustrated because there's so much to do and I can't get it all done in a day and whatever it might be, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. He never condemns me. No, condemnation comes, but it comes from the enemy. So if you're in a place where you're condemning others for their sin, know who you're participating with. Because it's not the aroma of Christ. We are won by His love, and therefore we win by His love flowing through us. That's who our Jesus is. That's how we fulfill the law of Christ. Because the law of Christ is to love others as Christ has loved us. And sometimes we blow it. But praise be to God, there is the aroma of Christ. Praise be to God that there is a Savior who paid the price for that sin and I can go to Him and I can seek Him and I can ask Him to forgive me and He does. He doesn't leave me wallowing in my sin on my floor and my den. He is the lifter of my head and He is my strong tower that I run into and I think, oh, what it will be like when I finally get the opportunity to be embraced by Him. I... I my hope is that I will be able 
to take a long, deep breath and take in the aroma of the robes of righteousness of my Savior. Because I think I'm going to need an eternity to get all that I can. Oh, that that's, that's the heart, I pray, that we have toward our Savior. That, oh Jesus, fill me with the heart that you have for me. Give me new life. Let me bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. I cannot do that unless I treasure the salvation that God has given to me first. Amen? Okay. So we're going to go on then to verse 3. It says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. <laughs> How did I write that? Don't think your stuff don't stink. When we're caught up in ourselves, oh man, get out of yourself. But when we're caught up in ourselves, what's the aroma that we're emitting? It's certainly not the aroma of Christ, right? It's the aroma of Ron. Man, Costco deodorant doesn't work as well as you think it does. Be careful, brothers and sisters, when we go, that we don't think we're above whatever that sin might be that we see in another, but that we go to win them, we go to love them, we go to rescue them, but we go first in prayer, second with the right heart, and third in realizing i got to be careful that it's not me that's going, but it's the love of Christ that I prepared my heart with Him first. Verse 4, But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. It's not like I'm going to boast. No, I examine myself closely. And what is it that I examine myself closely with? Of course, we've talked about the aroma of Christ, but it's also the fruit of the Spirit. That beautiful litmus test for us is, is that the fruit? And so, Lord, won't you do the work that's necessary to shape, excuse me, that fruit in my life? Be ready when you pray those kind of prayers. Because God's going to do a beautiful work in purging. So that means there's going to be some challenges coming your way. But you don't need to be afraid because it's God at work in you. He wants to rescue you from you. He's rescuing me from me. So that what's left is Him. So that what's left is Him. For each will have to bear his own load. Wait a minute. Is that contrary to what we just read? I thought we were supposed to bear one another's burden. But we were supposed to bear our own load? Simply be dedicated to your own spiritual walk. You have to be intentional about your spirit of walk. It isn't just going to happen. It's we spend time with Jesus and he does the work. That, that's the amazing simplicity of this is, is that this faith that we have in Christ is complete. 
we have to let him have his way in us. And when he has his way enough, then we will understand and be led by the prompting of the Holy Spirit of God to come alongside, to lift up, to help bear one another's burdens. So we are to bear one another's burdens in gentleness. We are to fulfill the law of Christ. Being sure that we examine our own hearts. Is, are we reflecting the aroma of Christ? Are we reminding others that Jesus came to save, not to judge? And that Jesus loves us. But to be, we're supposed to be careful that we don't think our stuff don't sink. We are to examine our hearts and be more careful about our own lives that we're not a burden to others. As we trust in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, He will lead us to lift up another. He will give us eyes to see, oh, my brother in need. He will do that work in us. I love the little expression that says some people make folks happy wherever they go and other people make folks happy whenever they go. Our joy is the joy of fellowship that we have in Christ. My wife, she's going to be mad at me. Because I'm going to tell a story on her. Y'all got an extra spot at dinner today? <laughs> My wife is a beautiful, genuine picture of the aroma of Christ. And it's true, I do not deserve my wife. God gave her quite a ministry in me. She has rescued me more than once because I have this thing in me that's called flesh. And I'm a fighter. And I've been a fighter for a long time, and that's my problem, is my fight gets in the way of my love. And the way that Susie demonstrated this whole first five verses to me was one day when we had moved into our house and we'd put up a fence, and we have to put up a fence because... We have a son that has profound um, mental disability or developmental delays is a better description. Please forgive me. And, his son, and my son's name is Willie. Willie's pretty simple and pretty sweet. And he loves being outside. And he loves things like air conditioners because they make a noise and they blow air. Whoa. He loves air conditioners. He loves our air conditioner, but sometimes our air conditioner in the summer is off, and so he's, I think he has an addiction. He starts going around the yard looking for an air conditioner. Maybe there's another one someplace close that I can listen to. Well, he found one at our fence that bordered our neighbors, and and it's a wooden fence. That one is a wooden fence. And, and Willie was up 
next, right up next to the fence. Couldn't get close enough. It's like this fence is in the way, but if I get close enough, it's almost like I get here. I can definitely hear it, but I can almost feel it. And they were new neighbors, and they didn't know us, and they didn't know Willie. And she took the hose and squirted my son. When I found out about it, I was furious. Oh, I'm going to show that woman a piece of my fist, not my mind. You're not going to do that to my son. He can't even defend himself, and this is the way that you treat him? No, that was me. Whoo! And my sweet wife, she says, no, Ron. No, I already took care of it. I said, what did you do? You know, going to, she a bloody mess? Did you smack her in the nose, Seuss? Come on, you know? Did you kick her in the knee? Let's give her what for? No. So what'd you do? She said, I made some cookies. And I put Willie in some dry clothes, and we took those new cookies, and we walked around the neighborhood to their front door, and I rang the bell, and I introduced her to, to Willie, and I gave her the cookies, and I explained to her a little bit more about Willie. She won our neighbor. Oh, that we would have that type of heart when someone offends us. But unfortunately, in this world today, it seems like we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to correct. We're so quick to mock. We're so quick to be critical. And we give the doorway, we wide open wide the doorway to the enemy to come in and do his destructive behavior in the hearts of minds of people. And we are to be the ambassadors of Christ, the aroma of Christ, to win them. Oh, how I have to be reminded because of this fight in me. So if there are any of you that I have offended, please forgive me. And might I encourage you that there is no offense so great that we can't go and forgive others. And may the aroma of Christ be so fragrant from our lives that it smells like Susie. Oh, cut it out. I'm leaking up here. Oh, I do have a hanky. Please. For no, I'm not going to do that in front of all of you, right? <laughs> Said I wasn't going to do that. Please forgive me. Hey, we need to pray. Ah, <sighs> oh, Father. How great is the love that you have for us. Even in the story of the prodigal son, the father spoke to the oldest son and he says, 
You have all that I have. He didn't say, you're blind. You can't see. He didn't correct him. But he spoke to them about the depth of the love that he has to both his sons. My hope is, is that it wasn't just one son that was changed that day. But it was both. Just as I pray, Lord, for us. And the ways that we ask for you to speak to us today. You know. You know those who have offended us that we're angry with. Oh, that dear God. We would be as you. Not counting all their wrongs. But knowing that your grace is big enough for them too. That the blood was sufficient enough to cover their sin too. Oh, that Lord, what they would see in us is a love like yours. And for those that we may have offended, Lord, first we ask that you would forgive us. Oh, Jesus, that as we draw near to you, that it's your grace that fills us. It's that ocean of love that is unending that says you matter. We matter to you. Oh, Jesus, may we be, even in our offenses, the things that we hold and harbor in our hearts. Oh, dear God, may we let go of those today. May we forgive as we have been forgiven. May you sow into us a heart of gentleness, a heart of endurance heart of love that we might teach others about you in the way that we say what we say oh dear God as you speak your word into us may it be your word that would flow beautifully from us may it be your spirit that blows in a way that's captivating for those around us just as you captured our hearts. We're so looking forward to being with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough to rescue us. That you took our blows. that it was your innocent blood that was shed because there's no other way. There's no other way of salvation than through your outstretched arms on that cross. 
So maybe you're here today and God's been speaking to you about the love that He has for you and and you've been listening to the voice of the enemy that He's condemning you and telling you about all the things that you have done that have been wrong and, and that you're worthless and He is a liar. Well, God is saying to you, I love you and my love is enough because His love is the love that wins us reshapes our hearts into a heart prepared for his kingdom. So I invite you, no matter what it is that's keeping you from Christ today, <clears throat> join me as we confess it to him. Give free. If you have to forgive other people today, forgive them as Christ has forgiven you. If you need forgiveness today, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened, is what Jesus says. However you got to come, you come. You come to his throne room. Because he has an invitation for you to come. And it's as simple as this. That, Dear Jesus, I have sinned, and I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. And make me whole. Make me new. That I might live now with a purpose, being draped in a robe of righteousness, the seal of your spirit in my life until the day of Christ Jesus. And that you would put your gospel on my feet. Wherever I go, I would share about the good news of what Jesus did for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, at this time in our service, we invite you, all of you, do not avoid the communion table. It's the place of redemption. It's the place where we remember what Christ has done for us because his proclamation is forgiven. It's forgiven. So won't you come around the room? There are a number of different little tables, ushers that are available to help. You might take the unleavened bread, symbolizing his, his life without sin, and the cup symbolizing the blood that was shed for us. Isaiah 53 tells us about our Jesus. It's the prophecy about him over 700 years prior to his birth. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He bore our burden of sin. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. No defense, no complaint, no cry of innocence. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Father, the will of the Lord, to crush him. He was he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt for us. Jesus. The night before his crucifixion, knowing what was coming, took the bread. And he gave thanks. And he said to his disciples, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? He was broken for you. You who's doubting that right now, stop. Trust in the truth of Christ's love for you. He was broken for you. Won't you take in remembrance of him? And then Jesus took the cup. The new covenant of God. <laughs> Not God and man, God. It's no longer an animal that is a sacrifice for the guilty for the sins of mankind, no, it would be God himself. It's his life that he gave so that we could be cleansed. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. Live in the freedom of the joy of fellowship with God. As he told his disciples, take, eat, take, drink. This is my blood shed for you. Thank you, Jesus. Won't you take? <laughs> 